It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hello and welcome to Tactics Talk here on Heart and Hand. I'm Martin Ramsey, your host. We've not been with you for a few weeks, but nonetheless, the Teddies have racked up the points in considerable style, albeit in different ways. Here to run the rule over just how different and how flexible our new manager is, I'm joined by two people who definitely know what they're talking about. Re- our resident tactics expert here on Heart and Hand is Adam Thornton. Welcome, Adam, and Merry Christmas. Thank you, Martin. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you. We're in the, what's it called now? In Betwixtmas or Betwixtmas, but we are firmly in the middle. Um, and I'll be, unfortunately, just at the start of the, the Christmas break. But yes, Merry Christmas to, to all. And joining us from the Rangers Review, it's the wonderful Joshua Barry. Merry Christmas to you, Joshua, as well. You you look quite snug in your little, um, well, I'm going to say summer house. That's not quite appropriate there, but you, you you're looking well anyway. It's a summer house in the summer, and it's, it's definitely not summer house at the moment, Martin, but I'm still up in the wilderness, um, north of Inverness, um, back to the big city today, but it's been a good, so uh, Merry Christmas to you both as well and all the listeners. Thank you, Joshua. Um, okay, the last time we were on, Adam, we uh, asked our listeners for some 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 questions. We were four games into um, Geo's uh, start, four very different games. Uh, the questions flooded in. We didn't have enough time that day to 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 look over them all. So we'll tidy up some of uh, some of those uh, those other questions before we get into this uh, this notion of flexibility, because I think the dominant narrative under Van Bronckhorst has been my how different he is, how much he adapts to to, to different opposition. Um, he 
I think reflects that narrative back to us quite a lot. He talks about that quite often. Um, so we'll get into that in the second half. But but let's let's pick up some of these questions and guys uh, that, that we got a few weeks ago. Some of them still apply. Uh, you and Taylor asked, would Itten fit into this team? And if so, should he be recalled? Uh, we'll talk a wee bit about this front three um, throughout the show. But it's obviously going to be horses for courses. going to be different styles, just won't apply. But, but where do you see... Cedric Itton's future, Adam first, and I'm keen to get both. Well, um, it's an interest. Itton is an interesting one for me because his numbers, underlying numbers, etc., were always quite good last year. And it's really tough when he had that unfortunate habit of coming off the bench and doing well, but then any time he got a start, he, he didn't quite set the the header on fire. That is difficult. He always strikes me as that type of player that probably needs a run um, in the team to, to get up to speed, especially last year when the team was, in my opinion, completely ill-suited to what he yeah. could bring. Um, so in this team, I, I guess the only experience that we have really is how Gio used um, Jorgensen, I think it was, at Feyenoord and that kind of target man style. Um, up until the game at the weekend, I would have said possibly not, given that, that Eaton, when he was at, in Switzerland, the, the team that he played for, St Gallen, favoured a lot of balls into the box for him to use his, his headed strength and kind of two men up front, all that sort of jazz. We haven't really been doing that. However, at the weekend, certainly in the first half, we did get the fullbacks forward uh, a little bit more. Both the goals came from <clears throat> set pieces, OK, but but deliveries from, from fullbacks, um, which would tie into what I would say target man or, or eating strengths would be. Um, so it's really difficult to tell because you're you're kind of going on a hypothetical of the player he was last year playing in Van Bronckhorst's team from Feyenoord five years ago and then somehow trying to transplant that into the team that we see in front of us just now so it's a bit of a tricky one um, with Eaton I think if he's not having a very good time over there the, the team rather than, than him himself it looks like they're going to get relegated I would imagine they are unlikely to take up the, the option on him. Uh, I may be wrong, so he may be forced back in in pre-season, uh, and I guess the manager will get a good look at him to see. Um, for me, I think there have been times this year where someone like Eaton would have been invaluable, um, probably in the earlier um, the earlier months, maybe less so in, in the last few few months. But um, it's, it's, it's one that I wouldn't be casting aside, but at the same time, if we got uh, a decent offer um, of above his above what we paid for him, I think it's one of those ones that the manager might think um, he'd get a bit better for the money. Joshua, where does it fit into this new regime? Hypothetically. Yeah, hypothetically, yeah. Um, I mean, looking back at how Van Bronckhorst used the strikers, uh, looked at it before he came in and, and how that would, would suit Morelos. And I think in short, although Morelos, his passes have actually increased per game, there's less dependency on him kind of middle to front to get the ball into attacking areas and more dependency on him to be in the areas like you see for the goal weekend. And, and I think that would, would suit uh, it's a more just kind of at, at the outright. I think what he's good at is, um, is getting the ball, playing it around the corner and, and attacking the front post. And he may well benefit from increased width higher up, higher up the pitch, a couple more runners joining him in the box. Um, I don't think he, he, he suited playing that lone striker role under Gerard and then having to facilitate build-up play as much. So as you say, all hypothetical. Um, but but certainly I think the the slight change in terms of occupying the box more, not being not requiring quite the same skill set to get the ball into that area, 
um, would suit him. Um, certainly next to Gallon, it seems to be that he, he looked better when he was as one of two. That doesn't seem to be how Van Bronckhorst is, is going to play, but um, Itten and I'm sure lots of other players now, the conversation around them is entirely different because they've been signed um, for, for a different system. How applicable that is, player upon player, I don't know, but I certainly think you'll see in these next couple of windows um, Van Bronckhorst mould the team more into, into his image. If you look at the profile of Itten, it's not too different, I think, to someone um, like uh, Jorgensen who used the um, Feyenoord, but as you say, all hypothetical and and I, th I think certainly Morelos and, and maybe Roof, will see what happens with Roof, will uh, obviously lead the conversation on that one. I'm going to stay with this front three, guys, if, if I can. I've got, there are a few here. David Park, uh, Douglas McIntosh, um, Ewan Christie, amongst others, who have all asked separate questions about separate players, but how they fit into to the front three now as to maybe how they would have fit, uh, fitted in three months ago under, under Gerard. If we are moving higher up the pitch, maybe quicker and, and, and genuine widths, uh, to you know, coin a phrase from um, a Rangers da perhaps, like, like me, um, and a wee bit different from, from what we had before, where, where do players fit in? Because if I'm right in saying previously, we would have games under Gerard where all three would interchange and you would you would find Morelos you know, going, out, going out wide, the roof going out wide. Perhaps not as well suited to to doing that if if it is going to be absolutely pinning teams back the, the, the way we have seen, especially away from home in big games. I'm thinking where does Roof fit into this, um, and and where does I guess we know where, where Morelos um, fits in, but uh, Kent is probably the only one with absolute out and out width and pace. Sakala maybe. I mean, it, I know this is a tactic show, but people still have to fit into the boxes. So what, what do we have, and what do we still need in that front three? Um, yeah, it is a tricky one because I think we have all we have all combinations of players that that you would find in a front three. We've got um, creators in that sense, like Hadji. You can argue whether he is a creator now, but he certainly was last year. But creators in that sense, we've got pace. Um, you mentioned Kent. Sakala and Wright are, are there. Wright made a big impact, mm. I think, uh, in the last two games, probably more so against St Mirren. Um, we have that. Um, they bring different kinds, which I think is is important. I would say Kent Wright is more similar to Kent, whereas Sakala is different again, and in, in the sense that he's he could play as a as a nine uh, as well. Um, Morelos, I've said for years, could play off the right in that position. I would I'm amazed that no one has has tried him over there. Maybe not. Maybe not now, but but certainly 2019 times, um, that to me seemed like a, a really sensible option um, to to give him a go out there. Um, Roof is different again, so it, there's there's a lot of different options there. You can argue whether there are undisputed first picks, and I think the answer outside of Kent and Morelos is probably no um, at this stage. But really, all we would be doing would be improving what we have there and. and how realistic that is, is is another debate for me. Are we going to get um, Kamar Roof is is the third best forward I think at the club. He he fits that third slot, however you want to call it. That durability, pace, age, all those sort of things go against him. Is it realistic for us to expect to get a better version, a, a better version of Kamar Roof with the budgets that we've got? I'm going to say no. 
Mm. Um, so finding someone in that right hand slot that we need, someone who can create, someone who can score goals, someone who's got a bit of pace. Um, without pulling someone out of thin air uh, in the way that we did with um, Senarito or even a Kent to that extent in terms of the loan signing, without without doing that again. Um, it's going to be a tricky one. So I think that's the only gap for me is more goals, I think, need to come into the front three. Um, but it can't just be a goal scorer. It needs to be someone who who offers um, who offers pace, who offers decisive quality. Um, where you want to play them is completely up for debate. Someone who can play across all three but can offer goal scoring. And someone that we don't have to have these, if I'm going to be honest, tedious debates about can he play against this team or he's maybe not quite suited to this against this team. Someone who just comes in and you say you're playing every game because you have shown you can play and you can challenge, you can overcome any obstacle that is faced against us, whether it's Benfica away or um, mm-hmm. at home. That's the type of player that I'm wanting and they, they usually cost the bank, but as we've seen, there are bargains to be found. Joshua, we're nine games in. Um from what we've seen, in terms of our front players, is there anyone there who just isn't suited and we would need to to just cash in or, or just cut our losses with? I think when you look at the the first 11, um, and, and if you take the kind of traditional 11 that Van Bronckhorst has, has chosen, um, with the midfield being Kamara, probably Arrivo and Arfield, and then Kent, Morelos and, and Sakala or Wright or Hadji, the areas where there's too much depth is the number six because now you really have it looks like Lundstrom, Kamara, uh, Davis, and and Jack in there, um, but you don't have much in front of them in, in the number eight depth wise. I think on in, in the front three, certainly from the right, I agree with Adam's point that you want a player that um, like Kent that can play hearts away, can play with his back to goal at times, but then can also come in like a, a right wood, for example. And, and look really good against St Mirren at home. I, I think for me, the obvious one is Hadji. And I, th- I think with Hadji, um, he, he suited the number, the 210 so well because it gave him the flexibility to to, to combine inside the pitch um, and did not rely on him to stretch the game. And, not, and although I think when he plays on the right, dependent on in Tavernier's game upon game instruction, sometimes Tavernier is going to come outside him and provide the width. But when he doesn't do that, and part of the requirement of Hadji in that, role is to go behind um, you're really relying on one of his weaknesses um, and, and you know to, to, to stretch defences and, and I think that was been pretty clear in some games you know Van Bronckhorst has spoken a lot about and I think he's now settled upon it seemingly it looks like it when teams like um, St Mirren come to Ibrox and sit with five he wants to, to have two wide players who are going to maintain the width and stretch the pitch and Scott Wright and, and Kent he spoke after the Dundee United game about how Hadji wants to come in field on his left. With right, you see him constantly attacking the space and behind St Mirren's left back, Scott Scott Tanzer at the weekend, and that was that was really really effective. And I think right, although in the first instance he didn't look to be too involved, what he has over Sakala, although Sakala did well against Hearts away in that position, is I think he just has that little bit more um technique and tight spaces to combine with players. Sakala I don't think looked great with his back to goal and he couldn't quite do the couldn't quite help Rangers build the play from the back and um, certainly in that second half at, at Tyne Castle. Whereas Scott Wright does give you that. But you need someone uh, I agree with Adam that um I, I guess like Kent can be your out and out player from the right who can do a bit of both, who can come in field and combine at times, who can stretch the pitch as Kent does. Um, and there's not an obvious candidate for that at the moment. But in my mind, Scott Wright 
um, we'll, we'll, we'll have that jersey going into to Aberdeen away. Um, Sakala for me looks looks better from the left, and that's obviously Kent's jersey. So there, there's elements now. I think you're seeing nine games in of okay, this isn't Van Bronckhorst squad. You can tell that by um, the lack of depth in that number eight position. As I say, you can tell that by the fact that this front three was signed to play in a different way. Kemar Roof for me really only unless he plays as a number ten, and um, really only now competes for that number mm-hmm. nine jersey with Alfred Morelos. And I think you've all seen that this January transfer window. Um, you'll see some of that uh, trying to be to be levelled up in a, in a few of those areas. Adam, Chris Doherty asked, and he's, he's, he's one of many, this again remembers three or four weeks ago when we asked for these questions, uh, about Hadji and what his best role is. Can he work with Aribo? Uh, we're a few weeks on now. I can't think of many players in this, this past month that, that's probably um, produced the same kind of debate conversation um, than than Yanis Hadji. Where where are you on him and what he can give going forward in in this team? We can't play wide right. I think I, I I seen him running for probably one of the first balls under Gio against Sparta Prague and made my mind up on that. He can't, he can't play that that wide right role. Um, I think Josh is spawn the wide tens and that was something in the early days that we 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 vehemently tried to explain was. They aren't wide, they're wide ten. So he's playing right of centre. He doesn't have to be out on the wing chasing down loose balls, etc. He's playing in a position that, that should suit him. Now it's too far wide for me. And there are circumstances where it changes, um, where he does drift in a little bit, and, and that's absolutely fine. But nominally, certainly the way that it was being used, it's not going to work. He's not, he's not going to be the, the guy who jinks past a player. Uh, gets a yard of space, crosses the ball in the box. He's not going to be someone who runs in behind. and He's the player that plays that pass in behind um, for me. So it has to be um, as a number eight or a number 10. Um, he, he isn't showing for me the form that, that he showed um, last season at all. His output is not anywhere near what, what it was. Um He's an option now, uh, I think. Um, we have this number eight and number ten um, nominally. Um, I've seen them being described as, as two eights or um, a ten and an eight, but really, if you're talking about it as a rebo and Arfield, they, they change throughout the game. One one goes and one one stays. It's a relationship. They'll, they'll be at a ten at one point or they'll be an eight at another point. I think that's the only space that Hadji can, can fill um, at the minute. Uh, but I... I I agree with what Josh says. They aren't traditional number eights in the sense that that we would expect. They're not playmakers. They're not creators. Any of the three of them, really. Um, they are kind of being repurposed in there, uh, if you like, Aribo, Hadji and Arfield. So that is a big gap for us, I think, that, that's missing. We've certainly seen that in the Dundee United game, when, when even just one of them is missing. And we have to revert back to, to Lundstrom and, and going a bit deeper, um, which absolutely didn't work. Um, that's the big thing for me. I think we certainly have bodies in there and we could argue this player could play there and Hadji could play there. We need a specialist in that position as far as I'm concerned. We need a a number eight. Um, We've needed one for four years in my opinion. We need a number eight who who comes in and we say, okay, you're the midfielder, you're the centre mid, you're the one that creates from from that kind of mid-range position. Um, Repurposing players is great, but um, sometimes you just need to quit while we're ahead and I think certainly the, the Hadji experiment wide right is one that I would say we can't do again 
Um, if he is playing, he's going to be as an eight or a ten. But based on what I've seen this year, he's he's probably unlikely to be getting in the team um, ahead of Aribo certainly. Uh, and you could certainly argue um, Arfield. On Boxing Day then, and maybe this tells us something of uh, what the, the kind of humdrum is going to be that this um, bottom six side coming to Ibrox, booking in for bed and breakfast. What what do we do? Um, did we even play with a number eight on, on Boxing Day? Was it not just a case of, of five quite attacking players just camping in around the box, keeping them? They weren't really prepared to go too far anyway, but they, 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 they kind of weren't allowed much either. And Kamara just having to be involved if if and when he needed to be. I mean, it, it almost looked like a training exercise for, for large parts of parts of that game. They, they didn't, you didn't need to connect to areas of the pitch, really. And then before we get into the fullbacks, I want to talk about in a minute, did we even have a number eight? playing on, on, on Boxing Day? Um, it was, I mean, I've seen it described as a 4-1-4-1 as well. This is where I think we go we go too far, too far with formations. Essentially, we had three defensive players in, in the two centre-halves and Kamara and everyone else just did whatever <laughs> they liked really, and just attacked at will. Um, no one is going to say, oh, it was a 2-1, can't do that maths, 2-1-7. Um, <laughs> basically, that's what it was, yeah. You two stay back. We'll pass the ball to you and you find one of the other seven and we'll go. And and that that is positive in itself. That is something that um Gerard You've been didn't asking do for this for, for ages, have you not? Gerard didn't do enough of just let's just go and see what happens. There will be a structure, obviously. You lose the ball, this person will fill in, that person will fill in. If attack goes down one side, then then fair enough. But basically do what you like. We've got a winger playing in Scott Wright, great. That's the first time this season that there's been a, a winger playing that side. Tavernier, do what you like, essentially. Find a space, wherever you want to go and find a space. You want to go on the outside, great. If you want to go on the inside and play as a centre mid, as he did for most of the game, great, go and do that. Um, that's the flexibility, I think, that was that was good. It was a fairly routine win. Um, I think we probably could have scored more, not lots more. I don't think it was a five or a six nil kind of game, um, but I think three or four would have been would have been decent but the good thing about it for me is like you said it was a training game let's just try something see what happens nobody is necessarily playing in a very defined position um let's just go and see josh that fair yeah i mean i i I think it's any any system you know gerard's team had the the piano players and the piano carriers if you will and it was more um emulative of, of liverpool in terms of the midfielders Filling in more, rotating into the the fullback slots. Van Bronckhorst's team is more emulative of what you see Man City do last night. Uh, was watching their game against Brentford with the fullbacks and um, being more responsible for occupying the central zones and then inflicting pace in wide areas with the wingers. And I think for me, that is um, the, the biggest the biggest difference. Certainly, you seen against St Mirren was that if if a team is going to play. With, as, as deep as St Mirren did and, and that's an, it's an extreme training exercise because most training exercises you'd imagine would take place in a half of the pitch and that, that game yeah, took yeah. place in a third of the pitch yeah. um, and when I think you're you just need to find new solutions because uh, I think as we've spoken a lot about in the site and you guys have spoken a lot about here teams I think grew very wise to what Gerard was doing and the benefit of what Gerard was doing was that you can see 13 league goals in a season because of the, the players know the structure to the tee but you look at the League Cup final and Jack Ross knows the structure to the T and knows how to defend against it, knows how to attack it by continually doing new little things, tweaks game upon game. And we'll, we'll speak about the fullbacks in a minute, but Tavener making those underlaps that are so difficult to track. 
teams have to have to adapt in, in game and and I think with the wingers playing that wide and, and your two number eights, number tens, whatever it is, um, you constantly inflict pace in, into the attack. If it's Tavernier and Barisic in the areas that Kent and, and Wright have been picking up the ball, um, it's just an entirely different game because you're restricted to crosses. And while Wright is still crossing the ball at points, he's committing his man um, continually. So that, that for me has been a big positive. I think you're seeing a lot more managers move towards that because of the just the obsession with congesting um, central spaces kind of all over all over world football um, and and for me it's a really a real positive that we're, that we're starting to see that because it's what Guardiola always goes on about having to stretch the defense go around the defense play play with true wingers if you like and it's a really a really good option for Rangers to have well let's talk about flexibility then because a lot of the other questions there although I can understand them feeding into a show like this they are about January windows and, and, and potential signings and, and potential losses that we, we, we might um, suffer in terms of players going out and it's not a transfer show but we, we might touch on a few things as we go on um, as I said the dominant narrative has been my word he's very flexible he changes things for the opposition it's it's very contingent um, and you know isn't, isn't that great and overall I think there's, there's probably something in that I want to look at the significance of just how flexible he's, he's been with you guys um, can I ask about the fullbacks then? Because my reading of it, which is nowhere near as um, nuanced as yours, was that they were far more conservative in those those initial stages as Rangers needed to, to tighten up, and we did, um, but have been used a bit more um, offensively and clearly on Sunday. With this in mind, the St Martin knowing what they're going to do, training exercise kind of game it felt at times on Sunday like like last season at its best with the two of them so far up Borna's cross for, for um, the second goal was um, genuinely top class and, and reminiscent of of that that, that kind of confidence that the kind of positions that he was finding himself in all the time um, I, I'm keen you know how, how you think he has used both fullbacks um, in the last nine games and uh, in, in terms of, of uh, changing things about um, with respect to the opposition. Joshua first. I, I think the, I can't remember which press conference it was in because you, you two will know there seems there's so many press conferences because there's been so much football, but the, the term that was used about Borna Barisic arriving instead of occupying, um, I think is is pretty... I don't even know if it was a press conference. Come to think of it, it's somewhere in my it's somewhere in my mind dial. But um, arriving in the final third instead of occupying mm. the, those zones, I think is on the left side the biggest benefit. And by that, um, you know, you've seen him especially at Dundee at home was the, the kind of first real main sighting of it. Although you've seen it at Livingston as well, tucking in in the build up because Rangers only have one deep centre midfielder in Kamara to just give that nice structure and build up. Always outnumber the opposition in that area and then get into the the middle phase of the pitch. Um, also means that Barisic re- remains a little bit closer to the centre backs when long balls are played, and and uh, especially where the winger's so high and, and the midfielders going ahead, he is uh, playing more of the support cast. But then he can he can arrive in that cross, um, you know, e- even how he gets into that crossing position. I think when he he can time his overlap so well, but he's so much more effective when he's coming onto the game when he has to set the tempo. Um, or if he's the one that's picking the ball up from a switch, which I know we might talk about at one point today, it's just an entirely different proposition to Kent being the one in that area and then Barisic arriving onto the scene and, and playing uh, across. So I think that's that's playing to his strengths. 
Um, it suits them having a little bit more defensive protection in front of them. Tavernier on the other side, I think we've seen play a, a multitude of roles. We've seen him play more defensive against Hibbsway, for example. We've seen, seen him at times yeah. as well maintain the width of the pitch and ask Hadji to come in and, and uh, occupy the, the half space on the right. I think that the underlapping for me was was really exciting to see because again there's the space and possession to do that because Kamara's playing as a sing, single sentiment a deep central midfielder in the same way Goldson stepped in at times, Barisic has stepped in at times. There's the ability for Tavernier to do that. And he's got the ability to do that. You look at Tavernier uh, technically and as a creator, and he's arguably the best in, in the entire squad. Um and from those areas closer to the goal, he's going to be able to affect it. He had obviously that shot that went just wide um, and, and he was continually playing the ball. It just got right, which in turn isolated him. But he also made really intelligent movements at times just to open up that pathway to Scott Wright. And when you're trying to maximise one-on-one one -on -one battles as Van Bronckhorst is, because he speaks about it all the time, that's what you need your players to do. You need them to have the intelligence to know when to clear space so that the progression of the ball can be done through that one v one battle. So, for me, the fullbacks again, it's it's varying um, what they do, so it protects their best assets. It, it's maximising it instead of asking them to cross the ball twenty times, maybe do it six times, but do it really well and do it in the right moments. Mm. Um, and certainly in the case of Barisic, I mean, I think Tavernier had grown into the season before Van Bronckhorst arrived anyway. But in the case of Barisic, it suits him much better. And instead of the system requiring Barisic to do something, uh, something that or fulfil a role that perhaps didn't um, get the very best out of him this season, it's been tweaked to accommodate and allow him to arrive in the final third, um, assist the build-up, and, and I think he's looked far better um, within that role. So that, for me, has been quite a significant change structurally in terms of them always fulfilling the kind of going in behind um, motion in, in that rotation on either wing, and, and it's been really, really effective. Adam, what's your thoughts? I mean, try to pick out maybe some, some games here to... Um, to, to hang on to. Obviously, Sunday there it was extreme. Uh, Josh has already pointed out Easter Road, which I felt really was quite solid and quite conservative in terms of the fullbacks. I don't think they um, they, they were too expansive there. And, and perhaps Tynecastle has been somewhere maybe in between. I thought Rangers were very explosive when they needed to be that day, but, but also um, quite contingent as well. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I agree with everything Josh said in terms of going forward and, and in possession. I think absolutely having that that flexibility so that you're not um, getting the ball to Barisic on the overload and, and him pinging the ball in from, ironically, where he, where he pinged it in from at the weekend. But as a kind of general rule, um, if you're able to mix it up a little bit more and have him more involved in the build-up or even a little bit further further back, then, then that's great. Um, I haven't particularly noticed a huge difference in terms of Tavernier. Again, like George said, trying to put him in a box of saying you do this every single game is not really accurate anyway. I don't I think he approaches games differently. He's a kind of problem solver in the team and I think we've seen that that kind of carry on. Yeah, sometimes he is a little bit further further back, but I don't think it's noticeably so. Um I think he's always been involved in, in the build up. He's always had the ability to go on inside or, or on the outside. Um so I do think that's been a been a big change, particularly as far as Barisic is concerned. Defensively, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Defensively, Martin, you know, I've got my got my thoughts on on this. Um, I don't think I could really point to anything to say our defensive record is better 
because the fullbacks are a little bit deeper and here's the evidence to to base that on. I don't think I, I have any examples of in-game situations where ah that attack was stopped because the fullbacks were a little bit further for, for, further back. So I, I struggle with that one a little bit, uh, I must admit, um, in terms of deeper fullbacks equals um, better defensive records. So um, on that side, I haven't seen too much there. Uh, I think what we would say is that they both, or Barisic in particular, looks more switched on mm. or intangible-wise, whether that's Van Bronckhorst getting in his head, giving him yeah. he's a confidence player, whether it's something off the field mentally that, that he has been able to tap into. Um, I'm not too sure on that. He certainly looks a little bit more switched on, but I've been a big advocate this season that that run we were on in terms of conceding goals was a freak and was never going to happen, was never going to keep going. This run that we're now on, similarly, um, can be seen as a freak that, that is unlikely to continue. I think two goals conceded and one of them was their own goal in, in nine games is is very, very rare. I don't think either either of those things are very extreme. Um, I think the, the main takeaway of, of it has been it's just flipped completely um, and, and therefore it seems quite easy just to say, ah, that's because of the fullback's been deeper or, yeah. of course, coming in. I still don't know yet at this stage. Oh, I think there's still not enough thing. I like him back in that because it, it, you know, we are we can only talk when we're talking about you know we're nine games and it's it's still a small sample size but it's not a couple of games it's still significant um so I want to come back on that because it, it is a huge shift defensively there's, there's there's no getting away from it Joshua you want to come back in there just wanted to say quickly I think for me just on Adam's point of what has changed defensively the fact that the fullbacks aren't having to go two on one uh, against the opposition when they switch play quickly. I think is another quick win for Van Bronckhorst. Again, to go back to the bad memory of Hamden before, um, in the, the game before he he took charge, that was a tactic that Hibs, as other teams had used constantly against Gerrard's Rangers, Rangers with. Obviously, the midfield having to shuttle over, and again, a strength, I think, eventually became a little bit of an, an Achilles heel because of how exposed it left um, Tavernier or Barisic when they were slightly higher up the pitch, but then obviously having to defend those those spaces as well. So I, I just think that's worth mentioning. And I think that's something along with Kamara sometimes coming into the back line um, when long balls are being played or goal kicks are being played. A, a really intelligent, quick change that has made a big difference and, and just simplified the role of the fullback um, somewhat. And, and I think that's um, that's really made a difference. The, the defensive record then, uh, I, I would like to get your thoughts on it because last season, like black and white, award-winning, record-breaking defensive record. But Adam, I was saying all seasons, I think we're a bit overpriced for this. I think there's a, a, still a fair bit of carelessness there. We're just not being punished. The amount of times, especially at Ibrooks, that the teams were in at key stages of games and they, they kind of missed big chances. It just wasn't wasn't happening. It was as if all that luck was uh, you know, paid back with interest in the, the, the kind of first uh, third of this season. Um, how many times were we behind first what eight times or something in, in, in 19 games or something like that and again some really stupid decision making early on costing us and we well you know we, we came back to win most of those games but we still dropped some some silly points as well um and now we've got this remarkable change i mean again still early days but but on paper with some difficult ties in there as well uh, it, it it's been remarkable i, I asked Van Brockers can't remember when it was um, 
when it was started to become apparent we're getting lots of clean sheets um was this an organizational thing or was it just simply a, a concentration thing and, and an application thing and like most managers he, he said um a bit of both but he talked more about getting inside their head and just 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 focusing i think calvin bassey had talked quite a wee bit about that at a press conference as well just um just being sharper and that that maybe comes with the the, the new broom um joshua any ideas and we would again smallish sample size but nine games is still a fair amount and such a change in in the the, the goals conceded and i take adam's point that this may well be as much of a freak as the, the constant nonsense we saw um september october might have been yeah well pro- probably as we you know we we watch football all the time and trying as supporters and, and people who cover the game you're always trying to draw narratives and draw conclusions but that's that's what we do isn't it so um yeah i, I mean i i think there's a few things bassy's an interesting one because if you'd said to someone at the end of last season rangers are going to look terrible defensively and then they'll look fantastic defensively when calvin bassy comes in and plays nine games in a row joshua if you'd said to anyone at perth in yeah. september <laughs> when he could hardly header a ball out of defense at center half yeah. that he was going to be the defensive rock upon which this incredible run um of, of of clean sheets was was based um you would have been told it's far too early to be that drunk exactly well exactly and it was it was a sunday as well or was it saturday it was early yeah, whatever it was, up at perth. it was too early and that was a that was a, a little long game wasn't it but um yeah, again, I, I think the for, for me the main topic again is that Rangers are now defending much more man orientated with Kent and uh, whoever it may be, Wright or Hadji coming back and just not necessarily that they are winning you know ten defensive duels per game or they're making ten interceptions a game, but they're just um, closing closing that space. I also think the fact if you look at that St Mary game at the weekend, although it's a bit of an extreme example because of how deep they were, Rangers' best mode of defence was to attack was to be so aggressive and um, that St Mirren didn't have a, an opportunity to attack because they were starting their attacks 10-15 yards from their own goal. I think Bassey at times has done really well to come in and be proactive and um, his mobility I think compared to Balogun who has played a lot of football but he wasn't looking very mobile in that semi-final has been really important in terms of cutting out um, some opposition moves at source. I think he's timed those um, moves into midfield really well. Um, and, and that's been really effective. And although Rangers have been slightly less compact, I think just that man-orientated manner, because um, at times it's focusing on, on individual duels, but it's not exposing the centre half, so the centre, sorry, the fullbacks as much to two v ones, um, and it's not asking them to cover so much space. There's not as an, an obvious area necessarily to attack Rangers, whereas before there really was. And that long ball vulnerability seems to have decreased a little bit as well. Uh, there's an interesting kind of school of thought that sometimes Rangers are quite happy to to drop a little bit deeper because they want to transition into space. So at Tynecastle away, for example, where there was a ridiculous amount of opportunity to add a third goal in that second half, I think Rangers are quite happy to then come off of the game and not necessarily um, push the opposition too high. Um, and, and I think at times as well that that helps with the threat of going in behind and the threat of what could be but certainly the the way that they're defending wide areas not asking the fullbacks to do quite as much defensively um, and and Calvin Bassey for me has been excellent and, and there's no reason at all I know that's an entirely different conversation but there's no reason at all to move him from that centre-back position at the moment. I think for me I think um, it's interesting I would say there's probably a 
very big Swedish reason to, to move him, but we'll we'll see how things, <laughs> we'll see how things go in that one. But yeah, I think it's funny that because no one would have predicted it. However, when you look at someone like like Bassi, it's one of those things, isn't it? That people always say he's like a jigsaw puzzle. He's got everything there that you would want from a modern footballer uh, or a modern defender. It's just a putting them together kind of thing. Um, and I would contend that actually the the benefits that he's that he's brought haven't been in the more kind of traditional defensive side. I still don't think he's very great ahead in the ball. I can't can't think of a huge amount of of yeah. examples of it. Um, it's been for me. Josh mentioned his pace across the ground, his energy and stamina, the ability to come out with the ball, the physicality that he's got when he's coming out with the ball as well. I think is is quite uh, important. Um, and that recovery pace, I think, is the huge thing that, that we underestimate in every defender um, until they actually have it. So the actual art of defending, we haven't done a huge amount of it. He's been great at it. Um, but I think it's more of those kind of different things that maybe a Hellander or Balogun earlier this season maybe weren't capable of, that kind of more modern side of defending that I think he he has uh, come in and we've noticed, a, we've noticed a big difference on for me, definitely. Before we wrap up then, boys, because, um, you know, I appreciate we're, we're all in this hinterland at the moment where no one really knows what time it is or what they should be eating, but they should be eating something. Um, the, the, the base of that midfield, such a huge part of last season, uh, for various reasons, personnel has shifted around. Gerard had tried a few combinations, that double pivot, even though we're playing a lot of nonsense at home, he still wanted to see it. Um, John Lundstrom seems very unlikely to to, to to figure a lot. Steve Davis has been out for, for a wee while. Um, Kamara's been handed that, that role of spectator, part-time player um, in, in some of those those, those Ibrooks games of late. Um, when do you see that number six in the, the, the last um, month or so? Adam Frost. Uh, I think it's been good. Um, I think we've seen how good it's been uh, against Dundee United, where it was very, very not good. Um, so I think that, that, that yeah. changes for me. Lundstrom... And that's, that's possibly a bit of a worry. I think I, I, I heard mentioned that, that Van Bronckhorst probably struggled with freeing up the number six um, mm. in his time at Feyenoord. It was very obvious from, from very early on that Dundee United, who did very, very well on, on the day, just sat their two strikers in front of um, Goldson and, and Bassey and they couldn't get through. So that's going to be a little bit of a challenge when the fullbacks are a little bit deeper and the number eight and number ten are a bit further forward. There's only really one way to go there. So that's interesting to see. He changed it to his credit. He switched them around. I'm not sure whether the change would be anywhere near close to having us win the game or, or get us back into the game or anything like that when he when he switched them around. Um, but other than that, I think Kamara in there has been excellent. Um, his ability to, to take the ball in those kind of tight areas and just twist and turn and create a space to get it through the lines, I think, is, is huge. He's not a playmaker or, or a kind of creative player in that sense. He's not going to ping incisive balls through. He is getting better at it. He is kind of missing out a man, if you like, and, and going through the lines a little bit quicker at times. It doesn't look hugely natural for him, but he is getting there and he is one of those players, I think I've said before, could probably play in every position that we've got um, and do a decent job. So that has been interesting, certainly seeing that. But like I said, Lundstrom coming in there against Dundee United showed us what... Um, that can't be moving forward. Um, and I don't think we can go back to that double pivot at all, personally. I think um, we used it as a crutch. I think I've said this before. Kamara and Davis last year 
because of how how well they did, yeah. um, how well the team did in every game. We just got it programmed in our head that Kamara and Davis will play every game and that will be great. Um, when you get into a sticky situation and you need to take the handbrake off, um, they aren't the guys to, to do that for you. But if you'd asked anyone a year ago, can you drop Kamara or Davis from the team? Not a single person would say yes. Um, and even, indeed, when one of them did get dropped and we lost a game, Davis, for example, against St Mirren, um, there's absolute howls of derision as to why one of them is, is being dropped. So it's a little bit catch-22 there, but I think certainly Van Bronckhorst, we've seen one deeper player uh, and two more attacking players um, certainly wins the day. Um, obviously, Davis is not uh, as young as he was, and I think most people would suggest this will probably be his his last season. So whether or not we're seeing a, a hair in Kamara um, to to the throne or whether both of them will leave in the next six months, we have to bring someone else in again. I'm not sure. But I think certainly as far as the template for, for Gerard, if our Geo is concerned, it's probably quite similar to Gerard and that it will be a kind of number six playmaker that will take the ball and try and distribute it further forward. And I think Kamara has been near flawless at it. Probably for me, the best player, I think, um, over the last eight weeks outside of, of Joribo. Joshua? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember the the Livingston game, Martin, 3-1 Livingston game, and I, I I tweeted out that, or I think I gave Kamara the man of, ma- man of the match in my player ratings, and um, it was one of these, uh, I was going to say rare, but it's not that rare, because I often get slowed for my player ratings, but um, <laughs> one of these occasions where, obviously, people have watched two different games. Some people thought he gave away a, a lot of the ball and was too risky in possession. Um, others thought that he was really brave, did a good job, um, and, and move the team forwards, and I think I agree with Adam. I think he's been excellent over these these weeks because it's, it's, it's the, the role almost gets the gets the very best out of him because it demands so much of him. It does it does uh, really rely on him and, and build up, but because he is so technically proficient, because he can Rangers can play the ball into him in pressurised areas. It's it's uh, sometimes a little bit high risk, high rewards. Um, I think the Dundee United game was, you know. I remember at the time thinking the team in general looked tired. Goldson just three days earlier against St Johnston had been, you know, excellent coming out the back with the ball, had stepped into midfield constantly. Obviously, St Johnston, their set up in the front, I don't think was as um, well structured as Dundee United, who did really, really well to just constantly block the ball into Kamara. Um, I asked the manager about that after the game, and the two themes were, I need players higher up the pitch to be braver. You know, that's not Scott Arfield's game. It shows a lack of depth at number eight. Um, and, and is one of the issues that will have to be solved in some of these games. Um, but he also spoke about the, the, the initial pass having to be braver from uh, from Goldson into to Kamara because there was opportunities where that could happen, um, but it didn't. And, and I agree with with Lundstrom. It's a, it's a tricky tricky one because um, you know he, he did have those man of the match performances. He did seem to be coming onto a game, but there's not an obvious place for him in that system because he doesn't really displace Kamara. I don't see aside from the old game away from home. Um, two midfield, deep midfielders being used. You look at Tyne Castle after Van Bronckhorst had a couple of weeks and, and that wasn't even required then. I think the answer, if the bravery isn't there or the, the kind of option higher up the pitch isn't there, obviously Arriba wasn't available for the Dundee United game. He can receive the ball slightly higher up the pitch, almost in a, in a little bit of a target phase because he's so strong with his back to goal. It requires sometimes the fullbacks coming in field a little bit. I think, as you see against the Murren Tavernier, we'll have the license to do that. Barisic as well in, in that game was uh, was playing, I guess, more traditional Barisic from the last few seasons because, sorry, Patterson, um, because uh, the, the fullbacks were needed to assist because of Dundee United setup. Again, that's something that 
Van Bronckhorst said uh, after the game. So I think the Dundee United game kind of caught a few factors going against Rangers in, in that instance. I think if you do have that 3-1 structure with Barisic tucking in, um, you have Goldson having a better game than he did that day, and you have a little bit of a better support structure higher up the pitch in terms of Joe Rebo starting, then it wouldn't be kind of so um, emphasised or pronounced how difficult Rangers found it to build through in that day. But um, that, that's certainly something to work out for. Any system has weaknesses, and um, because we don't have two midfielders rotating into the fullback slots, that that first phase might be more noticeable. But it'll, it'll be definitely something to kind of keep an eye on in the, the coming months. It's funny, I uh, I tweeted after the Livingston game that I didn't think Kamara had a good game at all, and I got equally the same reaction from the other <laughs> So um, it, that does seem to have been a, a complete um, 50-50 on, on that specific performance, which I, I, I always find amusing. Um, I, I completely agree. I think Lindstrom is, is out now, unfortunately. I, I did think there was the makings of someone there. I had in my head that he would be performing the role that Arfield performed last year. Um, it just kind of made sense to me in terms of a pattern. Player coming in that's played for a defensive team is going to be unleashed. Passing stats look okay. Has an engine, has a bit of physicality, can get forward. It just felt like there was there was a lot of similars there and you could put him in that little right-sided centre mid box that, that Gerard had that we've been needing to fill and we still need to fill um, going forward. But now that that's becoming a number 10 in some phases and a number 8 in other phases, it's a no-go for me. Um, and I don't think number six um, is going to suit him in this type of formation uh, as well. So um, it's an interesting one, whether he's he's now just officially an emergency centre-back that comes on to protect Leeds, I'm, I'm not sure, but the wages that he's on, and let's, I've seen some pretty wild um, wild thoughts about him. Let's not be around the bush. I would, I would imagine if a championship club, if, if we say he's available for transfer, a championship club is going to come and, and buy him because he is a good player. You don't lose that overnight. Um, free him or anything to me is, is oh, ridiculous. Free, I think that's just bizarre. Um, there will be someone who will come in and buy him. The reason he didn't go to anyone else, I think, was the wages that he was looking for possibly was too high for, for being a Bosman. You could argue he might have got those wages and they might still be too high, but I would imagine there's a deal that could be done in there. Um, so it does leave us a little bit light, though, I'm not, not going to lie, because Kamara is the sixth. Davis, like we said, we, we don't know if we can rely on his, his fitness or availability or even his form at this stage, things start to look a little bit lighter there. We've got Stephen Kelly. Um, I would be absolutely fine for Stephen Kelly to come in and get minutes. I said that pre-season. Um, however, the importance of that role has probably changed a little bit now in terms of it being the, the kind of sole defensive, sole playmaker at, at the base of the midfield. Um, it's a lot of pressure to put on a put on a young boy. Ironically, when, when we did have a kind of Kamara Davis, there was a bit of a comfort blanket there that he could have come in and and had a wee bit of, of game time, which he unfortunately didn't get. So I don't know on that one. Um, it's it's interesting. Martin, you mentioned transfers. I, I know it's not a transfer show, but I think that's that's the gap um, for me is is that, that that whether it's a number six rotation, whether it's a number eight, whether it's someone that could play both um, would would be fantastic. But that's probably the gap. We have players. We've got Hadji, we've got Janino, like we said, that could do a job. But I think that's the gap. Even wide right, I think a combination of Sakala, Scott Wright, Hadji, um, Kamar Roof sees us through to the summer. Um, to be honest, I don't think we need to be going out and, and saying we absolutely need to spend big in, in that position. I think we're fine. But for me, Cherry on the top would be um, would be a number eight. Um, Joey Veerman obviously would be fantastic, but I think that ship has, has long since sailed. Um, I'm not sure about Javi Simons, Josh. I know you've got a piece out on him. I, I don't know whether he's a 
a number eight in that kind of sense or if he's more one of these kind of number eight slash tens what's your what's your thoughts on that I actually don't know having I mean he, he looks a wonderful player um but I, I don't know kind of how um suited he would be to this this system certainly I don't think he's gonna uh he, he's not a, a Scott Wright style that's going to take on players 1v1 the, the game I watched of him a lot of combination play a lot of finding the third man probably in my mind I don't know if Scottish football is a natural next step for a player um, with his footballing heritage um, and, and with the kind of the quicker build-up play that Van Bronckhorst is trying to use. But um, yeah, he's a really technically astute player. Um, had some nice link-up with Kelly and Mbappe and, uh, and looked really good for, for his debut. Whether that is realistic, I don't know. But as we like to do, instead of just regurgitating regurgitating rumours, try and do something substantial, give you a flavour for the player at the Rangers review and then... Um, yeah, certainly a, certainly a player that I really enjoyed watching and it'll be interesting to see if anything does develop. It will be a busy month, I have a feeling. Um, we'll, we'll watch out. Uh, thank you again, uh, guys. It's always a pleasure to ask you questions and get them answered. Uh, thank you, Josh. Thanks, Martin. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Adam. Thank you and Happy New Year to the listeners when it comes. Oh, yeah. And- Indeed, uh, and if you are joining us uh, this week uh, on on Acast or whatever, and you want to get more of this on Patreon, that's where you can find us. Heart and hard forward slash Patreon dot com. Uh, we can find tactics shows, pre match, post match from inside the ground, um, history shows, unrivaled history shows, I would say. Um, shows on European football, on English football. I know that's Josh's favourite show. Everything you can possibly think of uh, regarding Rangers or wider football you can find on Patreon. Please uh, go and have a look. It is cheap as chips. Uh, thank you for listening all year. It has been a special one, 2021. Only one league defeat for the whole year and that fabled title coming home. Uh, let's see what 2022 has in store for us as well. Have a happy new year, listeners, and until next time, bye for now. Think you know Rangers? Then take part in the Rangers Pools Question of the Week. Answer this week's question for the chance to win exclusive Rangers prizes, such as match day tickets, signed merchandise, plus there's an Edmondson House package up for grabs. This week's question is, in which Scottish city was Rangers legend Derek Johnston born? Think you know the answer? Then go visit www.rangerspools.com and click on the Question of the Week banner on the homepage. Also remember, every time you play Rangers Pools, you're supporting the club and the build of New Edmondson House. All whilst being in to win some huge cash prizes. Best of luck. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.